the biggest issue that I see for advisors that are either starting to build a practice or even have an established one is how do they create their service model knowing that the margins are very different in the 401k space than they are in their private wealth book. Hi, I'm John Sullivan with 401k Specialist, and this is the 401k Specialist Podcast. Chad Johansson is a partner and director of consulting with California-based Plan Design Consultants, and he's also its resident 401k nerd. And thank God for that, because without him, the firm's weekly Retireholics webcast would devolve into even more of a drunken mess than it already is. If you're completely lost, check out the latest issue of our magazine. In the meantime, Johansson had great insight about the challenges he sees for independent TPAs and 401k advisors, their move towards wealth management, and what the industry can and should do better. Chad, you're known as the smart one on Retireholics. Are you mad that stupid JD gets all the credit? I don't think it's hard to say that I'm the smart one with the other three guys that I'm sitting on the couch with, but uh, no, he's got the look, right? And it's the look that sells, not the brains. All right. Very diplomatic, man. I like that answer. I was trying to throw you off, but it just can't I didn't say diplomatic. I just said that they're not smart. Smart sitting next to me on the couch. That's why it's easy for me to be the nerd. Good point. Good point. So what's the biggest challenge for an independent family-run TPA currently? And what will be the biggest challenge in the future, do you think? Oh, I, I think those two are probably married very, fairly closely together. I think currently the biggest challenge is keeping up with technology. Um, a lot has changed in the past. Well, we've been around for almost 50 years, but even in the past five years, 10 years, there's been um, a lot of new businesses emerging in the 401k space that could make the TPA's life easier, but most TPAs really struggle to be forward thinking. We're, we're set in our ways. We do work a certain way. We follow IRS protocols. And I think that's one thing that's helped us be successful is we've been willing to take that leap, embrace the technology, um, and move forward in time. What I think will be the challenge moving forward is when TPAs start to embrace that technology, how are they going to show their value? Because that's where it gets difficult. If you're saying that systems are running all of our actuarial calculations and you no longer need a human brain to, to jump in there and look at ownership attribution rules and, and some of the obscure areas of pension law that, that we can really create programs to do a great deal of this, there's got to be a way then that we step in as the nerds and say, look, not only are we easy to work with embracing that technology, but here's why you want to leverage us. We're going to create greater tax efficiency or if something goes wrong, now you have experienced people that will jump in and be an extension of your team and help you fix these things. What about advisors? What are the biggest challenges currently that you hear from them, especially those that you work? Yeah, the TPA community in general tends to work with advisors that focus in the micro market space. Call it 401k plans that are sub 5 million really is kind of the sweet spot for the TPA space. Uh, the biggest issue that I see for advisors that are either starting to build a practice or even have an established one is how do they create their service model knowing that the margins are very different in the 401k space than they are in their private wealth book um, or in their group insurance or benefits book. And and the struggle that I tend to see from them is that they they don't really spend time figuring out which partners are going to make their service model easier, help them retain clients without spending more time servicing the K plan. And they call the last person that left a business card on their desk or, you know, the gal that took them golfing or the, the guy that took them out to get a drink. And, and unfortunately you sell a product that, that doesn't fit the service model you want to deliver to your clients. And now you're struggling to create any margin, any profit on your book. And, 
that's what I see often in the micro space is folks are just doing it because they have to and not because they want to help or want to service that client. What industry issue drives you absolutely crazy? Something that's common that might be have a relatively easy fix. You, you, te- you teed that one up for me, didn't you, John? I know that you watch the show. I love to bitch about, excuse my language, payroll integration. Why in the world will every payroll provider not push data to the record-keeping partners? I get it. Paychecks, ADP want to hold on to that data really close because they want the 401k and they want to create as, as many sticky pieces as they can to that business. But let's be honest. What does a, a client need? Every 401k plan needs the plan to operate easily. It needs to be simple for them to run this benefit. And payroll integration is the first step. If they're getting a full payroll feed, the record keeper can help track eligibility. They can look at hours. They can help track vesting. There's so much efficiency that can be created if everybody would just give in and do what is right for the client. We actually have a story in our upcoming issue about the data share and that tug of war that goes on between the various stakeholders. Um, so, yeah, I think it's very, very timely. Great. Are you excited, concerned, and different about the move on the part of many retirement plan advisors to offer wealth management services? Um, I- I'm excited. And I'm excited for one primary reason, which is the average 401k participant doesn't need a whole lot of help in the 401k itself. You know, we've done a great job as an industry creating prudent core menus and target date funds and asset allocation suites, model portfolios, all these things that can really make the participant succeed, even if they're not paying a lot of attention, so long as they're putting their money in. But most of those folks really don't make great decisions when they're taking out a home mortgage, uh, when they're looking at where to spend their next dollar. Do I pay down my student debt or pay off my credit card? And if, if we can go and bring in some, some private wealth and some overall financial wellness into this space and help the people with what they really need help with, I think that's a good thing. Will there even be a pure play retirement plan advisor in the future, in your opinion? Oh, it depends on, on, on what you consider a pure play. Can, can I see a 401k only focused advisor? Yes. What are they going to have to do? They're going to have to partner up. They're going to have to leverage technology. They're going to have to create partners with, with financial wellness firms or tools that can support them. I think the record keepers are going to do their best to be that resource in the micro space. You're talking about an advisor that has five plans very unlikely that they're going to spend money on an independent financial wellness tool. And so I I think the record keepers are going to help kind of bridge that gap. And so you may see a 401k only focus, what I'll call a fiduciary advisor to the K plan, uh, but they're going to have to leverage partners. Where can and should we do better as an industry dedicated to retirement planning? Well, I mentioned earlier embracing technology. Um, I think that that's a big part of it from an operations standpoint. But when I take a step back, and I always try to do this, I always try to look at it from what a client actually needs. I believe that we have an, as an industry often feel we know what the client wants. I mean, that's what a lot of our business is, is sales and marketing, right? But, but very few people spend the time to figure out what the client actually needs. And I think we're getting closer to that right now with this convergence of health and wealth and and private wealth management being an outsource um, from the 401k relationships. As we get closer to to bridging that gap, I think we will finally be offering what 
the participants, the average working American needs. And, and I think that that's where we have to do better. We uh, blew through all my questions in seven minutes, Chad. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> uh, here, you, you, you gave me one um, biggest challenges and, and kind of what's next for the TPA community. Or, or how about this? You mentioned what absolutely drives me crazy. Here's another one. And I'm going to get nerdy on you for a second, John. Um, in, our, in the 401k profit sharing space, there's a few different flavors of profit sharing, right? You can go into a plan and let's make it real simple. We have one business owner and one employee. The business owner is 30. The employee is 35, let's just say. In order for us to maximize that 30-year-old business owner, we're going to have to come in and give an equal percentage of pay in all likelihood to that participant. So let's say that 30-year-old 30, 30 business owner wanted to put away 25% profit sharing. They're going to have to give 25% to that employee. Let's say, though, that that business owner was now 50. So you have a 50-year-old business owner, 35-year-old employee. Now that business owner, in order to put 25% away, only has to give 5% to the employee. Why in the world is it more difficult for a 30-year-old? We're not talking about pension plans. We're not talking about defined benefits. We're talking about defined contribution, putting money in this year. Why does that 30-year-old business owner have to give so much more to that employee than what the 50-year-old business owner has to give? That does not make sense to me. And it drives me batty every time I have to tell that younger business owner that's doing really well, hey, because you're young, this doesn't look great. You got to give a whole bunch of money to your staff. Wow. I like it when you get dirty, man. That's what we need. Yeah. There, there's so much of this, this, this nerdy stuff behind the scenes. This is the benefit of that, the brain, right, versus the system. The system doesn't push things around as well as, as a brain can. Uh, and that's where I think the TPA's value is going to continue to shine. I do think what could be a next step for a TPA, and this was asked uh, by Brian Graff uh, maybe two years ago in D.C., um, I think the TPA community needs to get back into consulting versus just doing compliance work. Meaning if, if we're going to see PEPs and MEPs emerge, don't tell JD I said that because I still don't believe it's going to happen. But if we're going to see PEPs and MEPs really start to, to create an impact, these pooled plans create an impact in our industry, then I think the TPA needs to adapt and be prepared to be a consultant only on those types of vehicles and really help those programs succeed. That's exactly what Bill Chetney said, that a lot of it is going to get back to basic, basics. What old, what's old is new, uh, kind of an attitude for the industry as a whole. So I can't believe I'm going to say this, but <clears throat> fantastic, Chad. Thank you so much for joining <laughs> us. I do appreciate it. It's your key sign-off, and I wouldn't expect us to end any other way. 